successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Brill Nation. Get a hooter. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM KMBZ, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and at GrillNationShow.com, where you can find all of my guests, pictures of my guests, and all the information about the Grill Nation Show. It's the holiday season, and around here we enjoy running uh, best of shows at this time of the year. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your holiday. Uh, excited to have you listening here today. We're going to run a best of show, but First, I want to thank my partners and supporters of the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. The title sponsors of the show are Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Guest hosts and contributors to Grill Nation are The Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, One Light Luxury Apartments, and Reactor Design Studios, and Clifton Alexander, guest host and honor contributor. Thanks for your support of the Grill Nation show. On today's Best of Show, I just want to run down a quick list of our guests. In our first segment today, we'll be joined by Chad Troutwine, who's a successful entrepreneur and renaissance man. He uh, He's going to talk to us all about entrepreneurship, uh, education, real estate, and sports. You name it, he has done it. In our second segment today, we will have on our guest host and contributor, Clifton Alexander, Talking to uh, John Nemeth, who's the director of AECOM Sports, uh, one of the top stadium architects in the nation. Also, after that, we'll talk to Ryan Maybe and Colby Geralts in segment three about Jay Rieger and Co., and as well as Colby's new Rye on the plaza that's opening up on Thanksgiving weekend. Great guy as well. Great two guys as well. And then finally, we'll end with Michael Viazzoli from MoBank BOK Financial, and we'll talk to J- Tyler Notberg, who's the chairman and CEO of U.S. Engineering, about his diverse background in and out of Kansas City. Thanks for joining us today on this Best Of Show. Chad Troutwine is joining me. He's in studio today. Uh, great guy. His Twitter handle is at Chad Troutwine, like the fish and the wine. There you go, Troutwine. Uh, welcome to the show, Chad. How are you? Jason, I'm great. I appreciate that warm introduction, my friend. Well, it's hard to introduce you. It really is because um, if you go to your LinkedIn page, there's a lot of different things you've done in your life. And I know that sometimes I feel like I kind of fall into on a lesser level. How do you explain yourself and uh, to a person you just meet? And it's, do you pick out one of the things or how do you do that? So I'm going to let you, Chad, kind of let's take it from the top, man. You grew up here. I did. I was uh, born in Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, and lived in the Northeast Van Horn School District until uh, late elementary school. And then my parents uh, bought a little land out in Independence in the Fort Osage School District. Mm-hmm. So I, I finished up my education out there. And uh, this uh, is has always been my home, though. So even though I've spent more time in California over the last several years, I still keep a home here in Kansas City. And We'll get into this a little bit later, but I've owned businesses here for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and so everyone in California thinks I'm a Kansas Cityan. And, uh, when I'm back here, everyone uh, just assumes I'm a full time Californian. Sure. Um, so you've always placed a high value on entrepreneurship and education. Now you, you scored a perfect score in the SAT. Right. Tell me about that. At, at age 16, I think you went to college. That is, uh, unique for Kansas City, I feel like. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I had, uh, 
two parents who, even though we didn't have a lot of money, uh, put a real premium on education. So mm-hmm. I grew up over on St. John in a, a pretty rough section of our city. And uh, I think I probably uh, succeeded more in elementary school uh, by being able to talk my way out of fights or occasionally having to defend myself uh, <laughs> than I did in the, in the classroom. Um, I wasn't surrounded by uh, a lot of other uh, parents and kids who were probably thinking about college. I think they were just hoping that their kids would stay in school long enough to graduate high school and get a good job. Uh, but my parents went to college at night. Mm. Um, my dad started an entre- entrepreneurial path when I was very young. And so I had uh, two parents who, uh, from the very beginning, talked about college as my likely journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think that gives anyone an advantage. There is no one perfect path. And I think we've gotten into a place where um, too many people believe that if they don't go to college, they're somehow not fully vested in the American dream. Mm-hmm. What I like is I don't care if you're from a little town in Missouri, like where my mom grew up or from these rough streets of the, the, the more the inner city parts of Kansas City, there are bright kids who should go to college and they need an opportunity. We have a lot of other kids who I think getting an apprenticeship, learning a trade and getting a job should be valued mm-hmm. rather than this pressure that if you don't go to college, that somehow your life is, is going to be less fulfilling. That's more accepted in uh, California, isn't it? I think so. Although uh, I bet a bunch of people you know out there think that if they send their kids to a certain school or go to a certain place or whatever, they'll always be successful no matter what. It, it, it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. That's flawed thinking, but I, I think most parents just want the best for their kids. Mm-hmm. And well, I mentioned, too, that you're a new parent. I Someone am. a new parent, right? Yeah, no, new. I've got an 18-month-old daughter, and so she's in that stage where every day she's adding a new word to her, her vocabulary. She's all over the place, high energy, beautiful uh, little 18-month-old daughter. I will say that you kind of built your career for having a family which is something I've tried to pride myself on. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but Jason, I think I was just too selfish uh, and self-absorbed to be a dad when I was in my 20s. My, you know, my parents had me at 24. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I would have been ready for it. But if you can hold off for, for anyone, kind of, the, especially on an entrepreneurial path, man or woman, if you can start your, uh, if you want to have children and you start your family a little later, I think it brings a different level of maturity. And if you're having some success, a little level of financial security eases tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't care who you are. The common areas of stress can come from money and planning out your your life plan. And so if you're already on that path, I think it really uh, gives older parents a little bit of an advantage. And my wife is uh, younger than I am, and we're still high energy enough that we're still running around with our daughter. I think we we got the sweet spot just right. Very cool. Uh, we're talking to Chad Troutwine. So, okay, so you, you passed the uh, SAT as a child. Yeah, let me circle 16, back to that and one. And then you, you went on a full-fledged educational uh, tour yeah, of the country. <laughs> right. Here, here's the thing. I think a lot of people look at exams like the SAT and the ACT as very intimidating. There's a lot of pressure to try and do well on a single exam. I had a different philosophy. I was out at Fort Osage, which I loved. I was. Uh, Does Albert Pujols go there? Yes. Is that, is that where he went? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that you and Albert Pujols are the two people I know now from Fort Osage. Uh, and AJ Gaines. <laughs> AJ Gaines. Okay. And, 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 and Betty Lennox. Okay. So we've we've got a good a good sports tradition out there. Fort Osage won the state championship in football. I was in the last couple of years, and uh, we had good teams when I was there. Good yeah. football teams. Um, good basketball or, or poor basketball teams elite wrestling teams, good baseball teams, and mm-hmm. and sports were a priority. But I will tell you, college was not the biggest priority for most of my classmates. Very few went on to college, and almost none aspired to go to college at a selective school. But for me, that, that standardized exam was a ticket out. 
So it can be that way for a lot of people. So instead of being intimidated by that exam, I saw this as this is a this is a one of those once in a lifetime opportunities. And so earning high scores on standardized exams allowed me to go from good public schools uh, to eventually elite private schools. And mm-hmm. so I got that mix of both. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that kind of what that <laughs> spearheaded for you uh, in your entrepreneurial career. But just off the top, we got a minute left in the first segment. I want to say that you got your BA at uh, ASU, mm-hmm. University of Missouri for JD, MBA at Yale, and then your MPA at Harvard Kennedy School right. in Boston. So you've done a lot of uh, a lot of schooling. But I will say, but that, I'm done, Jason. I will say that uh, you graduated from college at age 19. Yes, is that right? Yes. Wow. So it's, so it's not crazy. So when you, so when you uh, got your first job, if, <laughs> yeah. So we have a person that works with us at Paris that was, I think, twenty one mm-hmm. when she started, and I was always like, "Man, I feel old." You know, when I'm thirty eight, it's just like if I would go back, I would do that part a little differently. So stay, stay around for four years. We got to go to break here soon, but yeah, I'll, I'll just say quickly: high school in three years, college in three years, and I have a summer birthday. So it was high energy more than just the nerdy Doogie Hauser kid that we rushed ahead. <laughs> You're listening to a best of Grill Nation. To a best of Grill Nation. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show with your host Jason Grill. I'm glad to be back today. Great first segment today with Clifton Alexander, a on-air contributor and guest host of the Grill Nation show every month. Appreciate you joining me today on 980 AM KMBZ, as well as at GrillNationShow.com and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Very excited about our guest for the show today, Clifton. Uh, has known this gentleman for quite a while, I believe, and uh, we, we previewed him a little bit in the first segment. Um, but uh, why don't we have Clifton do the introduction of our guest today, yeah. who is a, a director of at uh, AECOM and their sports uh, architecture, and, and he handles all of the Americas and probably touches a lot of stuff worldwide, too. We were really excited about sports in this, uh, both of us, aren't we, <laughs> Clifton? And we're very excited about architecture yeah. and uh, kind of uh, stadium nerds, if you will. So uh, why don't you introduce John to, to the group? You bet. Yeah, I can't walk in. After having worked in a sports architecture firm, I can't walk into a stadium and not evaluate the effectiveness of certain things and, and talk in my mind about the design and the aesthetics and all of that. And uh, one of my buddies and friends, John Nemeth over here, sitting to my right, is the guy that we have on today to talk a little bit about some of those things. And so I've known John for uh, close to 20 years, probably, since my time at L.R.B. Beckett Architecture. And he's been there uh, even longer, I guess, um, now part of AECOM, which is a very large global uh, company. And so um, this is John. John, John. I don't know if you want to give us a little bit of a, a, a hey, hi, and a, and a little background, maybe describe some of that sort of how you got there and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here as well. I was looking forward to this all weekend. And, yeah, it was nice of knowing someone as long as I've known you, Cliff, and you still were willing to have me on the show. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Not a lot of folks I've known that long still will answer the phone. But, no, it's it's been interesting. I mean, I we a little bit of backstory, like how did how did I end up in Kansas City? Um, you know, it is, it is a, a classic of who you know, how you know it, right place, right time. You know, a good friend of mine from from graduate school. We were both interns in college. He ended up down here in Kansas City. Knew 
you know, we, he and I were kind of cut from the same cloth, being kind of motivated, focused, ambitious guys. And I remember getting a call from him. He was about a year, year and a half ahead of me in college and got a call one day in my internship in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And he's like, I've already set up the interview for you. You just need to get your butt down here. <laughs> and, uh, that was the longest 36 hours of my life in terms of like, I mean, I guess we don't, we don't like hazing anymore, but I, I was put through the paces showing the sights of Kansas City and the nightlife of Kansas City. And then at 8 a.m. a Saturday morning had my interview and those poor two wow. nice old ladies that I flew back from Kansas City to Milwaukee with, I, I didn't think I was going to keep my whatever was in my stomach down that flight. Oh, but man. the good news was I got the job. They said I looked like death when I went into the interview. And it's a great story. I've told it more times than I can remember. But it's also about just, you know, letting your passions come through. And I really wanted that job. And I mean, you know, funny story, even before that, my first internship, like official internship when I was in college, I ended up arguing with the partner of the firm because I didn't have the experience. He's like, well, you don't really know. I'm like, look, you give me 36 hours and I will learn whatever I need to learn so I can have this job. Don't even pay me. I will do it. Sure. And sort of that that sort of motivation and, and focus and ambition is sort of served me well over the last uh, 23 years or so. But that's how I ended up in Kansas City. And I've, I've been here ever since, and I've never looked back. And I've had two business cards, LRB Beckett and now AECOM, when AECOM acquired us. And I think it was 07. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've, there's a couple of us that are white elephants like that in the business where we've just only had one job. And I guess I'm proud to say I'm one of the few. So And you've enjoyed Kansas City, it sounds like. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I it, admittedly, I don't spend a lot of time here anymore. Um, cause I'm on the road a lot. My job takes me, um, some weeks I can travel, you know, eight, nine, 10 days straight, come home, change the suitcase and go again. I used to spend a lot more time here, but my kids love it. Um, two kids at Mizzou who are educated at, you know, Viz, Rockhurst, St. Teresa's. We live right by St. Teresa's love cool. Brookside. We ended up in Brookside cause it was the closest thing to Milwaukee we could find when we moved here. Oh, is it really? And, and that's why we, we, we've never that's left. Awesome. I mean, we're, we've been in our house, our house we're in now we moved in. Like right after, like we put it on the market on nine eleven. Oh wow! And then closed like a couple of weeks later, Amazing. and we've been there ever since. So it's, Amazing. It's, we love love that area of town, love our neighborhood. So. Well, I like that your kids go to Mizzou. That's where I went to law school. So yeah, I got to give a, right. a shout out that's there. Right. So uh, at AECOM, uh, you are responsible for strategy and execution of the integrated sports platform in the Americas, economics, cost consulting, planning and program, architecture, engineering, and operations. That's a lot of stuff. Tell us, tell it's us, kind bio. of, tell us, kind of. Uh, John, for the the layman out there, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis when we're talking about sports? Well, the, the fantastic thing about the opportunity we had at at at, AE, at a, have at AECOM, and again, you know, I was a partner at LRB Beckett. We were a kind of a an in architecture and engineering, and we did a little bit of construction, but not for sports. But we were pretty focused on selling one thing to a you know a group of people. With AECOM, we do literally everything. And some folks that's intimidating with in the area of sports is things are changing so dramatically. We look at so much private financing coming into sports projects, alternative delivery. You got, you know, the, the days of kind of like what we went through here in the Sprint Center where you have a referendum and there's a villain that's, you know, National Car Rental or St. Louis, whoever yeah. the villain was that sure. day. Yeah, enterprise. You know, this, this, yeah, enterprise. That's yeah. right. The, the notion of, uh, of there being like a, a taxpayer funded, you're seeing less and less of that now. I mean, I, one of my clients, uh, Tillman Fertitta in uh, Houston just bought the Rockets. I saw for two point two billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, just I like saw that this morning. Yeah, private wealth coming into sports at all levels is uh, is demanding a different look and feel for for offerings. And if you're just an architecture firm in our business, I think you're dying. You know, it's the old: if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think the firms that are just architecture firms are dying. 
um, we felt like as LRB, we needed to have a broader platform so we can come in and help drive that business plan for a client. Um, we can talk about construction and delivery. We can guarantee prices. We can guarantee opening dates. Or we could just do really sophisticated integrated solutions like, you know, our new project at Golden One Center, the first lead platinum building in the world. Our construction arm opened what we think will probably be the first platinum NFL stadium at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. Our, our guys are cutting the ribbon on Little Caesars Arena. We were also a contractor on that. So we, we get the opportunity to look at all sorts of things differently and bring inputs and value in a way that if we're just selling good creative thought, which is not still very, very important, mind you, the ability to sort of synthesize clients' visions and make them reality. But I think the challenge in front of us is so much more diverse now. And then when you bring in, hey, I have a stadium in Houston, just flooded. What can we do from a resiliency? Right. I mean, AECOM has a huge global resiliency. Um, you have endangered species. You find a endangered turtle on your site. We've got people who can help you with that. You need a new highway interchange design. We can help you with that. So, I mean, we've found that sports projects are getting more and more complicated, and it takes takes a village of experts to solve those problems. And we, we also, bring all that. On the flip side, we saw what happened in San Diego, right, with the Chargers. That was seemed like it was going forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If, and, and it's weird because I feel like that is a good destination for a team uh, just because they've had a team for so long, and they're pretty – it seems, seems to me that's where the next expansion team will go at some point. If they have a person that will build a stadium, I guess. The weather the private The private funding. The <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's a, we've, we've definitely been involved in that. And I know, you know, my friends and competitors have certainly done that. But that's, I think that's a good lesson. And sometimes you just need to take a break. You know, I think that city and that team, while there may be fans, like you kind of have that with Oakland a little. But mm -hmm. I think there was such animosity between that ownership group and that city that they just need to take a break and maybe they'll come back and it'll be a different ownership group. Maybe it'll be the same ownership group. Mm. But I mean, we, we were part of a, a similar exercise in Charlotte a number of years ago where mm. they just needed to, I don't know if divorce is the right term, but they just needed it's like to a separate. Breakup. Yeah. 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 They sent that team to new Orleans and they got a new team back and a new ownership who wanted to be part of that community. And then the community embraced them. But at some point, you know, like you said, those old school mentalities of you're the taxpayer and you're going to build me something. I think that still that still exists in in sports because you have so many so many old school ownership groups you know who won the lottery won the birth lottery if you will mm -hmm. and but they don't necessarily have the capital to do like what's happening in Los Angeles stroking a two point two billion dollar check for a new NFL stadium or like we're seeing more and more um, and, and that's that's struggling because they they've owned this family for generations they were the first league in the the you know the basketball, whatever it was, the ABL or the old AFL, NFL, and they want to hold on to that, but the economic times have passed them by mm -hmm. and, and they need more cash than maybe just that family legacy fund has. Yeah. And, it's real interesting to see how it's changing. And, and, and Clifton and I, when our show prep talked about this, of how the incentives game and the, the ownership yeah. game is changing and how we're coming to a point where, especially with budgets being tied and state legislators the last 10 years, where people are kind of sick of uh, funding stadiums even if it is a uh, sales tax type thing on a hotel or you know, it works in vegas for their new stadium right it's, everything works in <laughs> vegas you just ignore anything that happens in vegas this is one of those times just ignore it mm -hmm. we we do a lot of economics work in vegas and it you can make anything absolutely anything work in las vegas and it won't work anywhere else mm -hmm. just because the 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 money the economics are so fluid there it's it's, it's actually it, it should create a better opportunity for some more really innovative projects because it is it is the laboratory, it's the moon. Mm -hmm. Things that you just would never be able to have an opportunity to do anywhere else in the country, 
you can do in Vegas because mm-hmm. they just work financially, you know? Or apparently in L.A. lately, right? We'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll see. From an old Missouri guy, right? Stan Kroenke. Yeah. He, uh, his kid was in uh, college when I was in law school at Mizzou, so I used to hang out with him once in a while. Now he's with the Nuggets. He's a smart guy, though. I mean, yeah. I've seen him speak on his his European soccer holdings. I mean, he's he's switched on. He's not just a he's not just a rich guy who owns a team. Mm-hmm. He really understands the dynamics of the NFL, different from EPL, different mm-hmm. from NBA. I mean, he's I don't want to I don't want to be an apologist for the guy, but you know, because I think in Missouri, maybe everybody doesn't <laughs> love Stan Kroenke. St. Louis side for not, sure. Yeah, yeah. Not not my not my bag, but um, I just think he's he's really gets into it and as an owner, and he really understands the unique dynamics and business that makes each sport tick versus just I got a lot of money and I'm playing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, John Nemeth is our guest today, director of AECOM Sports for the Americas. Fascinating uh, first segment. After the break, we're going to be back. We're going to talk about uh, some of the projects you've worked on specifically. We'll get into the one in Sacramento. I know that was a was an uphill climb to get that one built at some points. Uh, a lot of uh, potential stuff going on there. And also talk about some of the other projects you've worked on, uh, as well as get into what Clifton was talking about, about why there are so many sports architects here mm-hmm. in the Kansas City area. You're listening to Grill Nation. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to a best of Grill Nation. Got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. Feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill on KMBZ 980 AM, as well as appreciate you listening via podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, as well as at grillnationshow.com, where you can find a list of all of our supporters, sponsors, uh, photos of our guests, as well as all of our shows on the website at grillnationshow.com. Our guest today is Colby Geraltz, uh, guest host and contributor to Grill Nation. Also with me is Ryan Maybe from the Rieger and Jay Rieger and Co., great companies here in Kansas City. And Colby is with uh, Bluestem and Rye. And we were uh, talking about kind of your, your initial background and the couple locations you've opened so far, one of which uh, we haven't talked about yet is your second Rye location, which you will be opening up on the plaza here shortly, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show. Uh, any insight on when you will be opening the restaurant? We think just the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Hoping. Interesting. Nice, nice, slow, <laughs> quiet, peaceful opening. Well, right? there's there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of politics involved in that too. Cause sure. The, the, you know, mm. obviously the plaza, and I don't blame them. They don't want any construction when shopping season's in full swing. So we're getting there. We're getting there. And um, <laughs> the website is ryekc.com. Um, tell us about this. Tell us about this journey. I've read a few articles about it uh, in the local media. You decided to take take on another restaurant. I, it seems I like did. it hasn't been very long since you opened up. I'm, five I'm not years. sure how excited I am about doing one after this. <laughs> and it's not been a bad. It's not been a bad experience. It's just I forget how you know. Well, when I, it's I'd not heard, done, how stressful it is to get. It done. Yeah, right. I'd heard about yeah. this a while back through the rumor mill that you might be opening, and I think a lot of people got excited because uh, at the time, you know. We didn't have as many local restaurants yeah. on the plaza, and now it seems to be that we're having more and more. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a lot it's, of competition, it, it, right? It, Colby? it is, it is. But you know, I think it's good because we'll obviously all see what works and what doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of the beauty of it. I'm, you know, it, it's always going to be that way. Restaurants are cool, you know, now more so than they were even ten years ago. Everybody, 
you know, I think, I don't know if it's our generation or what, but everyone eats out all the time. Mm-hmm. People love good food. People love good wine. And I think people yeah. see, you know, market opportunity for that. And, uh, yeah. you know, they jump on it. So, so how did this happen? How, how did the space that you're going into was the, uh, MS grill the space old- over by the fountains over there. Yep. Over by PF Chang's, it used to be Morton's Grill for a few weeks. Yeah, it, it was like. <laughs> it was M&S Grill, and then it was Morton's Grill. And people um, forget how long M&S Grill was there. I did. It was yeah, there for I a long, long time. time. I think it was like eight, seven or eight years. It might have been nine years. We really wanted that space because it's literally the same exact size as our Leewood location. Two private dining rooms, same square footage in the kitchen bar and dining room. So it was just a really easy plug-and-play plug for us. Um, you know, as far as I, I've always thought – I've always – since I've gotten in the restaurant business, I've always dreamt of having a place down there. I think the plaza is kind of the beachfront of Kansas City. You know, it's it's where, you know, people go to shop. It's people go to Tivoli. People go there and spend money. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I've I've always wanted to have a place down there. And and this spot opened up, and it took us a long time. We started negotiating with Highwoods, and um, uh, you know, we were kind of progressing, and then they they kind of shut down negotiations and it was obviously because they were selling. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I, we thought we lost the deal and we looked at a lot of different, we had two hotel projects approach us. Um, we had a couple other restaurant tours approach us about doing some collaboration stuff with them and everything just didn't seem, you know, like I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't enough ownership there. People wanted us to put too much money in and it was just some of that, those kind of things, the project. And I just kept thinking about, that project on the plaza. And so I called my real estate guy again and about three or four months had passed. And I said, let's, let's see if they're open to talk to us again. And, and we finally got something done. Mm-hmm. So it took a while. Sounds like it, right? It's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it <laughs> seems like the, the plaza's kind of the pendulum on the plaza swinging back the other way. Cause it seems to me like I think so. historically the plaza was the, you know, the epitome of local independent Kansas city dining. Yeah. And then for a long time, it kind of went the other way where you see a bunch of uh, big national corporate chains moving in, M&S, you know, McCormick right. Schmicks, Capital Grill, and and a lot of the independent uh, operators were were going to other parts of, of the city. Right. Um, and now it's kind of going back the other way. Monarch the other just way. opened. Yep. You know, you've got Bread and Butter Concepts doing their thing down there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, cool see. there's lots, and it is cool to see, and it's, a, you know, it's about time. And, you know, the history of down there, you know, we actually, the building – that we're in is the first building they built down there. So ours, the, our building's the oldest building on the plaza. And when we wow. pulled up all the floors, we found all the imperial marble that was there and all the uh, cherry wood flooring that was there from, you know, wow. years and years ago. And we found out uh, it used to be a soda fountain. And so this, you can look on the floor and the marble where the bar is and you can see all the rings from where the hmm. soda fountain stools were. And that's right where our bar is. So there's just, there's a lot of cool history down there. And, and it's mm-hmm. just, you know, as a restaurateur, I don't know, it's always been my dream. What is, uh, what is kind of your target demographic here? So you, you, you've done th- the Blueston thing. That was the, I think it's the same demographic that we have in, in Leewood. You know, it's like, it's just the people like, like us, you know, the people with kids and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the families. And I mean, I, I, I love to call Rye a family restaurant. You know, I, I think it is. I think it's some place that you can take your kids or you can take your grandparents or you can take your parents mm-hmm. and you can have a good time. You can eat good food and at the same time have good drinks and cocktails. Mm-hmm. And, and take us through some of those options with food. I've eaten there a handful of times, but for our listeners who maybe don't live out in, in Johnson County that haven't been, what are we looking at? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we buy as local as we can, you know, as big of a cliche that is now, it's very important to all of us. 
So, you know, most of our, our produce and everything comes from, and it's all, you know, handcrafted through us. We do lots of steaks. Uh, fried chicken is probably the biggest seller that we have. When I was a little kid, there used to be um, a, a fried chicken place on where the Acura dealership is on 103rd between State Line and Warnell. Mm-hmm. There's a place called Boots and Coats, and it was an old roadhouse, kind of like Stroud's used to be. And we went there every Thursday night when I was a kid. So I've always kind of had, whenever I think of my friends and my family, it's like we always ate fried chicken. So that was a big driver on why we want to do that with rye. And so that's probably our biggest seller. Plus my wife does, you know, all homemade pies, you know, and all the desserts. And yeah. She's, she's, she's got a, a very well-known pastry background, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's my second half by all means. <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys also too, one of the things I always loved about Br- or, uh, Blueston was you had a brunch there that was affordable, good and yes. great food. And so you guys are going to be doing a brunch at Rye. Yeah, so we we actually closed the brunch at Bluestone. I know, I was very sad about yeah, that. Yeah, there was a lot of people that were sad about that. We got a lot of flack about it. But it was hard to staff, and, mm-hmm. you know, we were only have so many people, and all the servers and cooks, they would close at Saturday night and then have to wake up and be back. And I heard moans and groans about that for way, way, way too long. So. But, you know, it's a good, it was probably the right decision, especially yeah. if you knew in the back of your mind that, hey, we're going to do this yeah. down the street at Rye. And it's the same thing. You know, the lunch or the brunch that we have at, at rye south is the same thing we did at blue stem it's just bigger it's a bigger brunch menu and then we'll do brunch on the plaza and then we'll do breakfast monday through friday oh really yeah do you feel like um what you guys did with rye like making it more uh approachable family oriented that kind of thing did that allow you to be more progressive and more ambitious with the menu at blue stem i think so um you know obviously i have chefs in both locations now and they've got a bunch of influence on what goes on but, I mean, it, it freed up a lot. I think I, we found ourselves for many years at Blue Stem trying to walk that line. Right. Um, between being, <coughs> pedestrian isn't the word, but being a little bit more, um, you know, conscious to what everybody wants. Well, you guys are way ahead of your time. Blue Stem was. Y- it it was very cutting edge for Kansas City in yes. 2004. Four. Yeah. It, we. <laughs> I look back on it and I would... I, tell anybody not to do what we did in 2004 <laughs> but now it's but, much more widely accepted yes, especially with it is having that kind of uh uh the contrast between rye and blue right. i mean yeah and it's kind of nice for me personally because we do we i i, I can kind of satisfy both sides of of my creativity you know right we can we can do the more progressive things at blue stem and but yeah definitely i mean to answer your question i think it's really given us a chance to kind of go a little bit deeper so in addition to all this growth uh you also have written a couple of books and have a barbecue sauce now, yes. right? Yes. Tell us about that. And, and what's the reasoning behind that? That's a, that seems to be a tough market to get into in Kansas city. Which one barbecue sauce <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or cookbooks or both? Barbecue sauce. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, well, we make all our own sauces at the restaurant and actually, um, I have some for you guys. Oh, good. I'm excited to try this. I and, think this uh, is the, the first time a guest has brought us swag. Uh, well, yeah, actually it is. And well, a few of them have, and, but it's not as good as this. This is, this is top of the line stuff here. We got hot sauce. We got barbecue sauce. Good branding. Oh, we got a yeah. hat too. Oh, Ryan, I love Ryan gets way too much swag. I'm sure. So. <laughs> yeah. This will I just go hats. in the back of the car. With I just, the rest I've been of waiting. I for just a, moved, and uh, you hat. have no idea how how true that is. Oh yeah, so much this. junk. Love this. This I is awesome. This is gonna be great. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, my so pleasure. We got all this swag now. Tell yeah. us about this sauce. So the hot sauce is really what. I mean, the barbecue sauce is so much as I don't want to say it's a, a sister to the hot sauce, but the hot sauce people steal it constantly from the restaurant, and so. 
we decided we wanted to start. You know, I like them sitting on the table, so we wanted to bottle them. I like it, the logo and the branding. Thank you. The labels we'll, are we'll great. Post, we'll, post a, uh, we'll post a photo and a Snapchat of this here in a little bit. Yeah, that's Hammer Out did that. They're awesome people. Um, but, yeah, it, it started out as we wanted them on the table. Um, we just wanted them to be table sauces. And I never really intended to have them sold in stores, but you know how it goes. We're inevitably going to do that. The entrepreneur, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a barbecue sauce guy, so I'll definitely take this. Give this to the girlfriend; she loves hot sauce. Yeah, and we actually just did a collaboration with Pizzeria Locale. Um, Lachlan and Bobby are friends of ours. They're in Boulder, and they've got a couple of pizza places here. And um, we just did a charity with the Children's Protection Center, where I did a barbecue pizza for them, and they use all our sauces. Oh wow, pizzas! Colby Geralt is our guest. Uh, RyeKC.com. I'm looking at the uh, story. You guys will have nearly 100 employees. We're getting close to break here. Is that is that when true? we open the plaza? We'll have over 200. Wow, wow. So, yeah. so you'll have a lot of employees down there. Yes, it's a big space, 7,000 <laughs> square feet, 8,000, 8,000 square feet. Yeah, jeez. Oh wow. And we're looking at a post Thanksgiving opening for all the listeners. So right around the corner. Uh, in our last segment today, we're going to talk about more about Kansas City restaurant and food scene. Uh, and talk about some other fun stuff here on the Grill Nation show. We'll break down our barbecue sauce maybe here in a second during the break as well. You're listening to Grill Nation here on KMBZ 980 AM. I appreciate you joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. You're listening to a best of Grill Nation. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show in KMBZ 980 AM. Appreciate you joining us today on the show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Today's guests have been Tyler Knopberg, Chairman and CEO of U.S. Engineering, and Michael Viazzoli, uh, CEO and President of MoBank and BOK Financial. Great show so far, guys. I want to talk about uh, something you got involved with, Tyler, uh, a few years ago. That was the Alliance for Childhood Education that you founded. Tell us about that organization. Uh, so uh, the Alliance was uh, created with the idea that as business leaders, um, one of the issues that seems to be most important long-term or strategically for those of us who are um, uh, running businesses and even those of us, of us who are not running businesses is uh, education. What does the quality overall of the workforce look like long-term? And one of the things that we did is we compared it to, say, a third-world country where clean water is the single most important issue that you have to address before you can create any kind of dynamic economy. Well, here in the United States, fortunately, we don't have clean water as a primary issue to getting our economy functioning. Uh, so what's next? Well, education, mm -hmm. to me, seems to be what our clean water issue is. And so ACE was created to get business leaders focused on what quality education looks like, what opportunities for high-quality education looks like. Uh, and when we originally started it, it was focused primarily on early childhood education mm -hmm. and why business leaders need to become focused on these issues and, and what it means in order to uh, address uh, what those workforce development issues look like in the future. Mm -hmm. And this is, a, this is a nonprofit, nonpartisan coalition of business leaders committed to improving Kansas and Missouri's education systems. Um, what have you found so far? What is your... What is your take so far on all the work you all have done and, and what we need to do to move forward? Well, the first thing that I would say is there are a lot of unbelievable providers who are out there, people who work all of the time trying to make sure that young individuals in the community 
have access to these opportunities. Uh, and so there are a lot of different efforts that are going on on both sides of the state line and, and well outside the borders of just Kansas City. But there are a lot of uh, ways that business could be more involved in that. So uh, when it comes to areas where business leaders need to be focusing their attention, it needs to be on understanding why is early childhood education something that people need to be focused on. Uh, elected officials like to talk about being involved and supportive of early childhood education, but those aren't necessarily people who are going to vote for them because they're two- and three-year-olds. So the question is, who is actually going to be kind of representing what the interests of those children are on a sustained basis that are not in the pressure cooker of an election cycle? And what that means is that the role the business community can play is in helping to connect legislators with providers uh, and the business community in order to try and develop a sort of cohesive approach to how this issue needs to be moved forward down the road. So uh, our president, Tori Peterson, uh, does a tremendous job uh, of working with a lot of those different coalitions, and our board does as well in terms of trying to build awareness about Okay, what are the what are the kind of the hot button topics that we need to be looking at right now? Mm-hmm. So, how do you deal with the the discussion topic, which is, I I, I think everybody would agree education is important. Kids are future, and you hear a lot of that, and and obviously a lot of people believe it as well. But that investment today takes a generation to kind of demonstrate that it's taking hold and make a difference. How do you get people to think about that long term of a perspective when you're talking about some kind of investment or change in policy or something like that? Well, so I think you can look at it in two ways. I think there are short-term benefits, and I think there are long-term benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to use data to support both of them. So, for example, just take the very basic research on how, you know, almost 80 to 90% of the entire brain gets formed by the age of between three and five. Okay, so there's there's a factual data point. Isn't that an area where we would like to invest a lot of early dollars? Then there's the work that was done by James Heckman, who is Nobel Prize winning former head of the Federal Reserve up in Minnesota, who wrote a paper talking about how there's a seven to one payback on every dollar invested in early childhood education. And that payback has a triple net benefit of both giving people a quality education, preventing future social problems, and then also creating an economic benefit for the people who are actually providing that service. Mm-hmm. So you t- you start from there and you say, okay, well, if this investment means so much, how do you get the community behind those kinds of initiatives? And I think that uh, the short term, if you've got a system that's in place that's very attractive to businesses who, say, want to move to Kansas City or are thinking of starting a business in the Kansas City region, then they know that when those young people who are part of those businesses have children – that those children have a good place to go while mom and or dad uh, go off to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the immediate benefit is you actually are providing an opportunity for those parents to go work while their children are getting a high-quality education. So you've got that in the immediate short term. And that's attractive from a, from a talent attraction standpoint today. Okay. The long-term benefit absolutely comes from how those children will benefit over time you know, in terms of the the direction that they go, their educational trajectory. And it's not just about memorizing facts in kindergarten or preschool where the the benefits of that uh, fade over time. 
It's about sustained attention throughout the entire spectrum of the education system, which is one of the reasons why ACE said, hey, you know, we don't want to just be focused on early childhood education. We need to understand how this impacts the direction that these children are going throughout the system, especially children who are highly disadvantaged from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, if I'm right, there's a statistic that something like uh, up to the age of five, you're kind of learning how to read, and then after that, you're reading how to learn. Yeah, well, there was a great initiative here in Kansas City, the Mayor's Reading Initiative, mm-hmm. where they talked about the fact that up until third grade, you learn how to read, and then from that point forward, you read in order to learn. And that's, yeah. that's absolutely true. You have to get them to the point in third grade where they're able to read and, and begin to level, right. Right, you know, yeah. read so that you can learn. So if you just keep backing it up, how do you get there? How do you get to kindergarten ready to you know, learn how to read? Yeah. Ace Invest is the website, correct? That's AceInvest.org right. if you Ace want to check that out, Alliance for Childhood Education. And uh, we're talking to Tyler Notberg, who's CEO and chairman of U.S. Engineering. The website for U.S. Engineering is just usengineering.com. Check it out couple minutes left here tyler uh you moved back to kansas city it seems like about 10 15 years ago uh, what are your thoughts right now and, and what we're doing here as a city and what we could do better and what you think we're really doing well i think there's a tremendous opportunity here in kansas city to capitalize on uh the trajectory that we have sort of uh, taken i i'll tell anyone who listens i feel like kansas city was on a very good trajectory in 2014 and it just inclined a little bit more when Sal Perez hit that double down the third baseline uh, as, 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 as we watched uh, sure. the Royals kind of move on. I feel like we gained a little bit more of an identity uh, as a city, uh, and we gained a little bit of confidence as a city uh, and, and, and a region, quite frankly. Uh, and so I think that uh, all of the development that has gone on economically – has been very positive for the city. I think uh, you know our investments in arts and culture are tremendous. I would say that one of the strengths of Kansas City overall is our philanthropy. So a lot of you know that the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation, on a per capita basis, is one of the most. You're listening to a best of Grill Nation foundations in all of the United States, and that's really a testament to I think the direction that that we're headed as a city and what our culture as a city sort of looks like. Looks like, but. You know, we have real issues that we need to address as well. I mean, I think there are a lot of areas where we can continue to improve, you know, as a, as a city that, you know, uh, we have to keep sustained attention on. There's no silver bullet for, mm-hmm. I mean, every single one of those issues. Got to so. do a lot of different things. Yeah. Totally. Tyler Knopfberg, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Michael Viazzoli, I appreciate you uh, bringing Tyler on Glad the show. Glad it worked out. And uh, great show today, and I appreciate both your time, and thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll see you again next week on Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us.